Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Radio. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Radio does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. This is the Business of Government Hour, a conversation about leadership and management with government executives and thought leaders who are truly changing the way government does business. I'm Michael Keegan, your host and leadership fellow at the IBM Center for the Business of Government. What is the mission of the U.S. General Services Administration's Office of Chief Financial Officer? How has GSA's CFO transformed how his office operates? And what can federal CFOs do to promote automation and transformation? I'll explore these questions and so much more with our very special guest, Gerard Bedorick, Chief Financial Officer at GSA. Joining our conversation from IBM is Troy Edgar. Gerard, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Uh, it's great to be here and to talk uh, a bit about my role as the CFO at GSA. So, uh, Troy, welcome to your show. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's start off, uh, Gerard, uh, learning about your organization. And would you describe the mission and continued evolution of the U.S. General Services Administration, and in particular, the office you lead, the Office of Chief Financial Officer? Uh, sure. Let me start with uh, with GSA. So GSA's mission is to deliver the best value in real estate acquisition and technology services to the government and for the American people. So what that really means is that we're a shared service provider in the federal government. We manage the government's real estate portfolio, provide effective and efficient acquisition solutions to government partners, and also facilitate how the government buys and builds and uses technology. For example, uh, in real estate, GSA manages over 370 million square feet of space, and we provide facilities for over a million federal government civilian employees. Uh, we also last year had about $75 billion in acquisitions that was either directly managed by GSA or through GSA vehicles. So uh, when I think about the mission of the office of the chief financial officer at GSA, we're really focused on the success of the mission organizations, and we serve as a strategic advisor and partner to them. We're a bit unique among uh, CFO organizations in government in that in addition to having financial management, uh, we also have responsibilities for budget and performance management and strategy. So we can really help drive value and help our business units think about how they can deliver uh, more value to other agencies. GSA, to a large extent, is managed like a business. We collect revenue from agencies for our services. So the CFO office at GSA needs to understand financials on both the revenue and expense sides. That's a wonderful context there, Gerard. I appreciate it. I was wondering, you kind of hinted a little bit about how unique your office is, but how is the CFO office organized within GSA? You referenced revenue, you referenced budget. How? What's your overall size of your budget for your particular office and, and the scale of your operation. Yeah. You know, uh, very interestingly, in 2013-14, uh, uh, there was a big consolidation of the finance function at GSA. Prior to that, there were finance organizations under each of our 11 regional commissioners. There were CFOs of our two business units, and there were finance organizations under the corporate CFO. So that was uh, roughly 14 different organizations that were managing finance functions, and they were not all under the CFO. The consolidation 
pulled all of that together and all of the finance employees and functions uh, started reporting to the CFO in roughly that 2014 timeframe. At one time, that represented over 900 employees. Today, um, we have around 540 employees in our organization, and they're spread throughout the country. They're in cities that include Boston, New York, D.C., Chicago, and San Francisco. Our uh, annual budget is, is $100 million, about $100 million, and uh, you know we support the GSA organization. That organization is 11,000 employees, but you know more significantly, we uh, manage roughly about $29 billion in revenue and expenses that are collected or spent by GSA. Uh, we also have $46 billion of assets. And a uh, simple example is, is, is when you think about rent, we collect $10.5 billion in rent from federal agencies. So the CFO organization has a, a budget division, an analytics performance and improvement division, uh, an office of financial management an office devoted to uh, financial services for public building services and an audit management and accountability office. So, so that's roughly uh, how we're constructed. And it's a nationwide organization with uh, over half the employees uh, located outside of the DC area. That's very interesting. So you lead an office that is essential mission support for GSA, which is an essential mission support agency for all of the federal government. So I was wondering, what are your specific responsibilities as GSA's chief financial officer? And more interestingly, how do your efforts support GSA's overall mission? Yeah, so it's a very good question. You know, and and traditional financial functions, uh, financial management, internal controls, financial reporting, the annual financial audit, budgeting, are all part of of uh, the CFO responsibilities. Uh, in addition, we have responsibility for the strategic plan and GSA's annual performance plan. When when I think about our responsibilities, you know, there can be a, a couple of different broad buckets. One is one is operational work, and and that's the the fund certification that's important in government, processing invoices, payroll, a variety of operational functions. We are also responsible for reports that are sent to uh, Congress. Congress or OMB, the Congressional Budget Justification, the Agency Financial Report, the Annual Performance Plan, the Strategic Plan. So a lot of operational responsibility around budgets and reports that are submitted. But the the interesting part of the the job is really the uh, strategic initiatives and how we uh, focus on on generating value for GSA. So we conduct briefings uh, for our uh, business leaders at GSA. We think about technology modernization and robotics, uh, standardizing processes, employee engagement, advisory services, RPA implementation, and, you know, agency-wide compliance is important as well. So there's a variety of areas where the CFO organization can help the rest of GSA uh, be more successful. And it's really about trying to help uh, all of GSA think about how they can get more value out of the the resources that we have and the funds that we spend. You know, with such a large or significant portfolio, Gerard, I was wondering, would you kind of elaborate on the challenges, management or otherwise, that you face in your current leadership role? And how have you sought to address them? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd like to start with, with uh, you know, our, our, our role is to help um, GSA and our partners and our business units to be successful. So uh, the CFO office really thinks about the challenges that they face because we're thinking about solutions and we also have the budget responsibilities and the uh, strategic plans. So from an a overall GSA government perspective, uh, you know, one of the first challenges is the future of work. 
and uh, the future of the federal real estate portfolio. So as agencies do more remote work, we'll need to think about what the needs of, uh, of the workspace uh, are. That is going to be uh, a big challenge uh, as it is in the private sector over the next five years. You know, we also think a lot about technology modernization. Uh, GSA uh, is responsible for the administration of the technology modernization fund and uh, really thinks about how we can drive uh, technology uh, across the government. You know, a third, third area that as a CFO I'm very interested in is, is how the federal government can move forward smartly on shared and centralized services. So we have uh, common business functions across agencies, and we really have to think about how, how to manage them best from a government perspective. Within the, the CFO organization, our financial operations are strong. We measure performance on a monthly basis, have a real good idea of all of our metrics and how we're performing. But but when I think about the, the challenges, they're really in, in, in how can we continue to add more values. So, you know, a couple of, of areas that, that have been our focus for the last uh, year or so are critical thinking, innovation, and relentless pursuit of results. So, Critical thinking is, is, is how do you think like a CFO? And I want everybody in the organization to be thinking that way. Innovation is, is how we can change uh, how we do things and, and bring in technology and generate more value. And then the relentless pursuit of results is really uh, pursuing value and getting as much value out of the organization and resources uh, as you can. Well, hey, Gerard, Troy Edgar here. I did, again, just wanted to tell you, uh, so nice uh, being on this uh, podcast with you. You were uh, quite a mentor to me as uh, when I was the CFO of uh, Department of Homeland Security and uh, always somebody that looked at uh, your the, like you said earlier, an outcome-based CFO. We really uh, appreciated your service. Um, a question for you. When you came on board, what surprised you the most since taking your role? Because you've been there a while. Uh, Troy, uh, thank you for those kind words. I uh, enjoy uh, my uh, role at GSA and what I've been able to do. And it, it's really been wonderful to work with the CFOs across the federal government. But when I come into a new role, uh, the analogy that I would draw is I like to come in and think of myself as a general manager or a coach. So it could be a general manager coach of a of a sports team, a little league team, but but you're really thinking about how you can drive value and and what what are the resources you have and what are their capabilities. And I think that what I was really pleased with was the number of really good employees that stepped up in critical situations and helped to deliver the outcomes that were important to the organization. And I, um, you know, I did hire uh, one person from outside of government as a leader and, and a couple from other agencies, but I found a lot of that talent within the CFO organization or within GSA. And, and I was able to reshape the organization, but uh, the employees, uh, stepped up very quickly to help me uh, change the culture and to work with them and to really uh, put together a talented team, uh, a great organization of talented people that really want to make an impact and a difference. So it was all about, if I get back to the sports analogy, um, we defined uh, we defined winning as, as creating uh, unexpected value for our partners and for others as a result of the work we were doing. And, and, and that was uh, that was embraced by the organization. They really uh, wanted to be a high-performing, successful, uh, lead-by-example organization. And I found that talent within the uh, uh, government employees that I inherited. Hey, Gerard, thank you for that. Um, 
Gerard, hey, question for you. Um, you and I had some pretty interesting times during the pandemic, uh, some that were pretty, pretty hectic as CFOs and other times where we may have had more time to, to talk and talk about our past. I, I think what was very interesting to me was um, a little bit about uh, your career path and how you got your current leadership role. I was just wondering if you might be able to share that with the audience. Yeah, uh, Troy. I I, uh, I spent I spent most of my career in the private sector, and you know I I started as an engineer, went off and got an MBA, uh, did a little bit of consulting, but I worked for a telecommunication company, MCI Communications, uh, for about twenty years, and I had twelve different jobs. So, and then after that, I had uh, roles as a CFO and COO um, in, in in several different uh, organizations or companies. So, the thing that that I had been able to do in the private sector that I really enjoyed was really uh, about increasing the value and transforming organizations. So uh, at the beginning of, beginning of 2015, I joined uh, GSA as a CFO. And really, uh, the attraction for me was moving to a public service role. And GSA, because they had consolidated all of these finance employees or part of different organizations, uh, was very interested in a transformation and how to really reshape that finance organization. So that's really... Uh, what I'd done in the private sector, I'd been through mergers and acquisitions, consolidations, reorganizations, and uh, I really looked at the GSA opportunity as uh, a way that I could help structure the finance organization and help with the value that was created by that organization. You know, in many ways, as I said before, GSA was operating like a, a private enterprise with both revenue and expenses. So it, it fit my experience very well. You know, Gerard, given your background, the, your private sector background, your time at GSA, I was wondering if you could highlight for us your leadership approach and the principles that guide how you lead. You know, one of the things uh, that I had to think about when I came in is, are the leadership principles that I had developed in my private sector career, would they work in the federal government? You know, you have to think about, uh, for me, a big thing was, was what's the culture that I want to create in the organization. So I really focus on that. And, and I think, you know, a few that, that I, I thought were very important that I brought with me was uh, the first is, is teamwork. So how do you uh, build a culture that values collaboration and chemistry and puts team goals first? The second is uh, something I'll refer to as home runs. Set ambitious goals, think big, strive for results that energize the team. Bias towards action. That's uh, that's very important, and uh, I can just tell you that that uh, you know I, I think about how the organization can do better today, tomorrow, next week, uh, next month. So it's a real bias towards getting results and getting short-term wins and positive momentum. So one of the principles that that I, I got across to uh, my organization was: if you know eighty to ninety percent of the answer, come see me. Don't wait a long, long time to get it one hundred percent right. So so that bias towards action was something. That was very important. And then the, the constant uh, pursuit of value and results. Uh, get on the scoreboard, get some results, uh, have a relentless pursuit of results across the organization. So, so, so I, I think those four things are, are uh, while there are many others, there, there are four that are part of the, the principles and culture that I had in the private sector that, that I can tell you was that is there today in the CFO organization at GSA. What is the transformation strategy for GSA's Office of Chief Financial Officer? We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour.
To support government financial performance and accountability, financial systems must meet certain standards, and relying on outdated financial systems inhibits progress. ERP vendors are encouraging clients to move to the cloud and consider new technologies such as robotic process automation, blockchain, and AI to enhance financial productivity. Download the IBM Center Report Financial Management for the Future at businessofgovernment.org to learn why and how government can evolve to meet the demands of a digital world. The Ebola crisis in West Africa from 2014 to 2016 was an epidemic that put emphasis on global capacity to respond to international disasters. How can government better assess the needs of those affected and help them? The IBM Center Report Responding to Global Health Crisis by Professor Jennifer Whitner breaks down the U.S. response to the Ebola crisis and provides insights on lessons learned that may aid the government responses in the future. Download your free copy, Responding to Global Health Crisis, at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Gerard Bedork, Chief Financial Officer at the U.S. General Services Administration, GSA. My co-host today from IBM is Troy Edgar. Gerard, I was wondering, what is your approach to transformation and setting organizational strategy? Um, yeah, so that was, you know, that was something that that I really enjoy, and I think uh, when I interviewed with GSA, uh, you know, I actually put together a 100-day uh, plan, and I, I can still look back at that, and I sort of chuckle at, at some of those things, but but I think I stuck to a lot of it. I, I think the first thing that you need to do is understand where the organization is today and where you want it to be. So, you know, organizations are at different stages, and, and some may need a lot of operational work. Uh, some may need uh, uh, more advisory work, but, you know, I think there are some common approaches. And, and one of the first things that I think is important in transformation is, and I, I, I would do this in 60 days, is, is do a, uh, a rapid organizational ass- assessment. So what are the organization's most important outcomes and deliverables? Uh, are they delivering them successfully? What are the critical services? What are the high-value services? The second area is, is really or- organizational, organizational challenges. What can you change? Does the organization structure allow you to deliver high-value services? Does it promote that? Does it promote teamwork and efficiency and effectiveness? Do you have the right people in the right jobs? And what what, what are some of the changes you can make uh, with the structure that will help the organization function better? And and then I I think a third area is change readiness. So how ready is the organization to transform? Uh, What's the culture morale? How strong is internal teamwork? Are they ready to embark on a transformation uh, initiative? So those are some areas you can think about. When I think about, you know, once you undergo this, really think about what some of the short-term wins are. Identify the uh, change champions in the organization because not everyone has the same uh, tolerance for taking on uh, major change. So I I think being able to identify who can help you do that is important. Uh, Having a set of metrics on on how the organization was performing before and after the transformation is important because you want to demonstrate improvement. And and I think operational leaders, we all know that if you make changes, if there is one small problem, then that can be pointed to as a problem of the organization. You need to look overall at how the organization was important. And then uh, finally, uh, you know, a real important area is employee-centric transformation. So when you think about an organization and the changes you want to make, there are some things as a, as a CFO that I know 
had to happen right away organizationally. But then once we uh, wanted to put that organization together, you have to, uh, uh, if you can allow your employees to be part of that change management and to contribute their ideas on on how to change processes and and how to think about changes that need to be made, that will be very uh, helpful. And, you know, as part of our organization, we actually... uh, did some communities of practice and, and employees uh, were responsible for looking at processes and coming up with uh, consistent standardized and improved processes across the organization. Getting at that, that that second part of my question with respect to this, Gerard, I think you were just getting there is like, what results have you achieved in your transformation of GSA's office of chief financial officer? You know, the results uh, have been really significant. It took about, it took a year or two to get there. But just to give you an idea, um, you know, employee engagement, uh, well, first of all, the performance levels of the organization, all of our operating metrics, we were green. Operationally, we had taken metrics that were, we were successful maybe 90% of the time, and we're now at 99%. I can tell you that uh, when I have ops reviews with the organization, and maybe the you know, the 99 drops to 98 and a half one month. I have the organization uh, include uh, or show where they were five years ago and the number might have been 91, 92, so that we all realize that if, if we uh, drop a little bit or dip a little bit, we're so far ahead of where we used to be. But but operational performance is very important, hitting all the metrics. We, uh, we got significant efficiencies uh, in staffing. The size of the organization went down. The employee satisfaction from 2015 to 2020 went from 65% to 86%. Engagement, 66 to 86%. That's in the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey. So it's a standardized uh, government survey. The Partnership for Public Service rated us uh, last year, uh, 23 out of over 400 organizations as the best places to work. This year, we were rated number 19. We're the top uh, financial organization in the federal government uh, out of those that are on their um, published results. And then, uh, you know, the audit. We had material weaknesses and uh, significant deficiencies uh, in, in 2015 that we're working on for 2014. Um, the last two years, we've had zero material weaknesses and zero significant deficiencies and overall eliminated uh, a significant percentage uh, of the uh, audit findings. So the audit got better. We got efficiencies, uh, operational levels increased, uh, and employees uh, are uh, very engaged and satisfied uh, today. So, so the results were really good. You know, when I uh, when I started this, and maybe this is part of the engagement, but I uh, my first six weeks, I had 45 one-on-one meetings with partners, customers, and employees. And many of the employees were skip-level meetings, and I, I learned more about what they valued uh, and what their concerns were. And a lot of them wanted some decisions made. So six weeks after I started, I announced a new organization structure. The regional organization, there was some concern about, so we left that alone and reevaluated that later. But centralizing uh, budget, uh, standardizing processes in the regions, redistributing resources, creating a structure where we had uh, the same uh, structure in four zones. Uh, Remember before we had 11 uh, regions with financial organizations with the same responsibilities and they were all achieving results through different processes. So when we created this uh, zonal model with four zones, we're able to standardize uh, all those processes. Uh, we recompeted um, the top four levels of leadership, had the same structure, uh, redistributed resources. So 
that all led to improvements in the audit, the standardization, the, the results of the organization and the value they were providing that was evident to employees. So that really helped increase uh, engagement. And we really uh, worked on, on partnership and, and how we could better support uh, the business units within GSA. Thank you, Gerard. Sometimes when an organization makes significant progress on their goals and management continues to push further towards continuous improvement, employees can feel that management is moving the goalposts or frequently changing priorities. What is your view on how to maintain organizational momentum after you have a large-scale transformation success? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a concern about moving the goalposts. Uh, the organization, they're going to do better uh, every uh, year. So um, it, it, we're always looking to improve on where we were last year. And I think that, you know, each year I, I thought about what are the values and what I want to emphasize in the organization and how they behave and go about things. So when I think about what we've done uh, over the years, uh, you know, in 2017, it was about integrity, collaboration, and operational excellence. In 2018, it was uh, partnership. Uh, so partnership with uh, organizations we work with outside the CFO organization. Chemistry, uh, how, we, how easily it was for different parts of the CFO organization to support each other and work with each other. And home runs. So home runs is the interesting one because... That is really thinking about what would be an ambitious, audacious uh, uh, outcome. And, and my definition of a home run is something you would never put in a performance plan because it's too aggressive. So, um, you know, that's uh, got the organization thinking about that. So it really was was uh, not no longer just think about operationally what we need to do. Think about what you can do to contribute to the success of GSA and the federal government. And, and this year, you know, our focus is innovation, value, and reset, relentless pursuit of results. So it, it's each year uh, when we start the year, our senior leadership team uh, gets together. And, and I've thought about what are the uh, the core values? What are the things that we want to uh, to emphasize? And the organization comes through and how they think they can embrace more of, of this culture and how they do their job uh, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. You know, Gerard, um, you've made a lot of progress as part of your transformation, internal transformation of your office, of shifting from, you know, what they perceive to be low value to high value kind of functions and work. I'm wondering if you could tell us how did you work to reorganize and transform the office to eliminate really where I'm going is to eliminate those unnecessary and um, arguably uh, um, obsolescent compliance requirements and reduce the cost of mission support operations so you could focus on stuff that adds value. The employees were part of this. So the, the transformation and the standardization of the processes and understanding what's essential was driven by our uh, employees. We actually uh, started our uh, robotics process automation uh, a few years ago it is as a result of, of our initial look at some pilots we identified some uh, work that we could stop doing so uh, within a matter of weeks we launched uh, an initiative called eliminate optimize automate and this was going out to employees and saying okay what's the work you can stop doing what can we eliminate what can we optimize which means do it with less uh, resources. And so that was an initiative that was in the CFO organization that was also uh, 
we also rolled out with one of our, our business units and across other CXO functions. So it has really been based on, on employees. The thing I'd like to just, just to mention is that um, we've helped other agencies with, with thinking about this. And there was a uh, actually a cross-agency priority goal uh, about shifting from low value to high value work. So uh, OMB actually uh, asked us to help GSA to, to lead this effort uh, across the government. So we've actually worked with other agencies on, on how they can uh, do the same thing, but it was based on uh, ideas from our employees about how they uh, could stop doing work as, as well as the managers and leaders in the organization. As a follow-up, in your mind, Gerard, would you outline sort of the transformational strategies that have been most impactful in your efforts? You mentioned engagement with with staff and employees and, and allowing them to have buy-in, but what, what other strategies have you employed? Um, what lessons learned, maybe best practices could you share? And and as we talk today, are there any opportunities for additional improvement? If I think about four principles that were important uh, and best practices, uh, I would say the first is, is don't wait for the perfect plan to get started. Plans will change, so uh, get started. And you need to be agile. You need to strive for consensus. You're not going to get 100% agreement. So uh, uh, large transformations require close coordination, collaboration, and communication with many employees, partners, and customers. But waiting for approval and unanimous uh, buy-in among so many disparate groups uh, uh, will, will make the uh, transformation nearly impossible. And I think you have to make some peace with uncertainty you know, you're not going to be able to figure it all out. So there's going to be some ambiguity in, in the transformation. And, and you have to recalibrate uh, and manage the implementation based on what you learn along the way. The, the final uh, thing is really uh, set aggressive goals and timelines. I would rather uh, have 80% success on a target of 100 than 100% success on a target of 25. So I am actually okay with, with missing some goals and timelines as long as we're aggressive and pushing the envelope. So don't wait for the perfect plan to get started. Get consensus, but you don't need 100% agreement. Make peace with some uncertainty and, and think about aggressive goals and set aggressive goals and timelines. Uh, a question for you. So... You know, you, you've been talking a little bit about the strategies to execute against the big opportunities. Um, you know, you're within your role of uh, being able to, um, you know, have a significant impact cross government. Um, you know, you get pressure from OMB to kind of help uh, the bigger picture. You get pressure from the administrator to look, you know, to support policies in the real time. Uh, you've talked about employee engagement to really kind of say sometimes the ideas come, uh, many times the ideas come from the employees, but you're in a very unique position where you've got a total field of play. And I was just kind of curious, how can the organization identify the right big opportunities? Uh, maybe not too big for GSA, uh, but but big enough to be able to contribute to the greater good. Yeah. I. Um... You know, home run goals, I think, are, are, are very important because there is a natural tendency uh, when you have to publish goals, uh, you want to set goals that you know you can make and will not have a problem achieving. So I think the big opportunities uh, are these home run goals, and you may not necessarily commit to them in, uh, externally, but, but internally, you have to know what's going to make a difference. So I really like that concept of home run goals. And that's been part of 
the CFO performance planning. Uh, we've brought it into some of our strategic plan uh, discussions, but it's really about what are the three or four big things that can make a difference rather than a, an update on the 20 things that you're working on that that have uh, you know value and benefit. What will move the needle? And, and I think that Many of us uh, are taught to be managers, so we're trying to manage all the tasks, but you really need to step away and think about what would make a, a big difference, whether it's in real estate, technology, you know, what makes a big difference in the CFO organization. Some of the outcomes of the organization in terms of increasing engagement by 21 percentage points and the audit results and other things, I don't think anyone would have signed up for those goals on, on day one. But, you know, we had ambitious uh, goals in mind. And guess what? We achieved uh, uh, some significant goals. And, you know, there are others that are, that are still out there. How is GSA using automation to transform the way it does business? We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How does an agency decide upon and implement a performance management framework that will be successful for their specific administration? The IBM Center Report, a practitioner's framework for measuring results, follows the implementation and results of the CSTAT management framework in Colorado's Department of Homeland Security in hopes that it can guide others who may want to institute a similar approach. Download a practitioner's framework for measuring results by Melissa Wavelet on businessofgovernment.org today. Agile methodology has allowed for agencies to keep up with the growing demands for fast response to problem solving. The Opportunity Project, TOP, serves as a catalyst in adapting agile techniques to solve complex agency mission problems. TOP works with federal agencies to identify challenges and facilitate iterative approaches in response. In the IBM Center Report, Agile Problem Solving in Government, Joel Gurin and Katerina Ribello discuss the factors of success involved in TOP. Download your free copy today at businessofgovernment.org. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Gerard Bedoric, Chief Financial Officer at the U.S. General Services Administration, GSA. My co-host today from IBM is Troy Edgar. I'd like to transition, Gerard, from transformation and the efforts you've you've led, and you've alluded to this, uh, my next question, a little bit in our, in our conversation, and uh, from transformation to the use of automation, and in particular, um, I'd like you to give us a sense of what is robotic process automation, RPA? How could you kind of remind us how you used it to transform the way you do business and operate within GSA? Yeah. Uh, so RPA is a great uh, software tool that can replicate anything that's rules-based or repeatable process. And anything you do on your computer on a consistent basis, you can program as an RPA application. So for example, you can open emails and attachments, you can move files and folders, you can complete forms, you can go out and, and, and scrape data online, you can make calculations. So if, um, you know, if, if you think about where we are with uh, uh, a software such as Excel, where you have macros that can access different spreadsheets, RPA is, is really able to access data across different uh, systems. And so uh, that, that's the basics of, of, of RPA. And I had gone to a few different conferences and heard about RPA applications and then came back and, and was 
uh, you know, back in my job and, and forgot about RPA, but, but uh, beginning 2018, calendar year 2018, I uh, just thought, hey, we need to get going on this. So uh, in the CFO organization, we said, uh, let's implement an automation in 100 days. And we knew nothing about RPA. And, and I said, I want to see something in production. I, I want to have the organization learn about that. It actually took us 125 days, but we did it. And this initiative really energized the organization because, once again, we went to the employees for ideas. We educated the managers, and we had about 20 to 25 uh, potential um, automations. And, you know, as I said before, one of the things we strongly considered, we realized we could just stop doing the works. So that led to this EOA uh, initiative. But we actually uh, got ideas from our organization. We uh, reached out to our employees and, sa- and asked who wants to learn how to do uh, RPA development. And we had 50 that volunteered. We picked 12. Part-time basis, they learned RPA automation. And from that, we uh, set up an RPA program. Uh, It is uh, the second uh, automation we did was for the public building services. So it wasn't focused just on the CFO organization. It was focused on on GSA. And we've heard uh, robotics sort of scares folks in terms of what's that going to do to my job. Employees at GSA are actually excited about eliminating the more manual uh, repetition in their jobs. So we actually have organizations that, uh, sometimes want to automate. Uh, they're fighting over over getting the the uh, the organization to do uh, automation on their applications. So it, it it's really uh, uh, benefits employee satisfaction because now they can spend more time on higher impact activities. Uh, it, it, you know their productivity goes up. They can think about transformation and value added. And and it's also helped us build. Uh, uh, business partnerships across the organization. So we are uh, now closing in on, on almost 100 automations deployed uh, across uh, across GSA. That's great, Gerard. I, I want to transition too to your work to take this uh, sort of um, gospel, if you will, around RPA and champion it, uh, all the emerging technologies such as RPA across the government. Can you tell us about your role and the mission and purpose of the federal RPA community of practice? Yeah, I mean, let me tell you how it started. And it started uh, because uh, after a uh, year, nine months of us starting RPA in the CFO office, other agencies were coming to us to, to learn what we're doing and how we're getting results uh, in RPA. So we had uh, a lot of interest. Uh, and certainly there are other agencies that were successful in RPA as well. But what we uh, decided in... Uh, about a year after starting RPA was let's form a community of practice. And and the community of practice uh, would be a mechanism for agencies to collaborate. So, you know, it would would allow a finance leader or an acquisitions leader in an agency or or a CIO uh, to uh, learn from other agencies that have already uh, started and made progress. So so the COP uh, brought that all together. And, um, and then uh, the other uh, thing that helped us was uh, OMB uh, recognized our work and uh, asked GSA to co-lead the cross-agency priority goal of shifting uh, from low to high value work through uh, automation. So the COP today is over uh, 1,200 members, uh, over 65 agencies. Uh, we've put out playbook. We did uh, a set of use cases across the federal government. We had over 300 last year. 
this year we've collected those and we probably have almost a thousand. Uh, RPA is, is, is growing across the government and we also uh, set up a maturity uh, survey and a maturity matrix to look at uh, what level a program was at. And that maturity uh, survey is about automations that you have, capabilities of the program. Uh, process improvement is a big advantage of a uh, big, good, positive outcome of, of RPA because before you do an automation, you have to make sure that you've got uh, an effective, efficient process in place and that you uh, have that process standardized across the organization. So there are a lot of benefits. Uh, uh, and our, our state of RPA uh, report from fiscal year 19 to 20, we saw 110% increase in automations. And uh, we saw the average hours of capacity per automation go up by about 40%. So we're going to produce, produce that uh, for this fiscal year t- as well. And, and I think the results will be uh, really show uh, how much uh, progress uh, we've made in the federal government. Yeah, Gerard, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I almost have to give my personal testimony to you as uh, being the uh, collaborator. I remember dealing with RPA and, and I was one of those agencies. Uh, my deputy chief financial officer you know, pointed out and said, you've got to go talk to Gerard about RPA. And um, and, and I think uh, with emerging technology, that's uh, it's really important that somebody kind of within the community steps up. A question for you, um, you know, within emerging technology and some of the pressures across CFO, um, you know, the federal government as a CFO, they've, they've kind of put in place a couple of different uh, processes. You know, one of them is the, what they call the uh, financial management QSMO. It's a kind of a, a way to try and get cross-government collaboration. And uh, one of the pillars is to modernize and, and automate processes. And uh, I was just kind of curious, you know, from your perspective, you know, what are some of the ways to overcome these hurdles and challenges in pursuit of emerging technologies? Um, and, and are there success factors that you'd like to share and uh, rapid expansion of emerging technologies? You know, you, you talked about your role is the within GSA kind of helping assist with the technology modernization process. And uh, there's a lot of money over a billion dollars poured into that right now. Just be interested in your perspective of how do you overcome these hurdles and challenges? Yeah. Uh, you know, the the outcome you want is cross-agency collaboration. You don't want every agency uh, starting uh, from the beginning uh, whenever they, they they want to do something. So so being able to share knowledge across the government is, is important. Uh, you know, the QSMOs that have been set up are, have been very helpful because they've helped the grants organization across agencies uh, work together. But the vision for the RPA community of practice was, is broader than just finance or acquisitions. It's across uh, all functions. And so we're really trying to drive that across all f- functions. Um, you know, the CIO Council uh, is, I've seen tremendous cooperation uh, and communication with with CIOs across the federal government. I think that will really make uh, a huge uh, difference in, in collaboration uh, going forward. The, the other thing that the community of practice are the workers and managers that want to advance the technology. But, but what's, what's key to moving technology is commitment and ownership uh, by the business owners. So, so the IT organization or a transformation lead will have these technologies available, but it takes work by the business owners to make this happen. And, and business owners have a lot of priorities. So uh, I think more of, of how to uh, implement the technology and, and how to how to scale it, because the 
you know, the challenge is if you think about RPA, uh, an agency can do one or two automations and and show everybody uh, how wonderful the automation is. But, you know, can you do four or five a month? Can you do one a week, right? So what what is it? How do you really turn this into a... Uh, a bit of a factory, so so you have to start with 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 generating demand and interest. You have to have executive champions. Uh, you have to have uh, uh, an organization you can turn to a program that will help you uh, implement and set up the the automation. Uh, you have to have a. a, a a strong IT organization that's a good partner. How can federal CFOs help promote automation and transformation across the federal enterprise? We'll explore this question and so much more when our conversation continues on the Business of Government Hour. How can government best use big data to transform decision-making, public services delivery, and communication? The IBM Center Report, Integrating Big Data and Thick Data to Transform Public Services Delivery by Yan-Yan Ang presents five recommendations for public managers introducing the concept of mixed analytics, urging thick data, meaning qualitative information about users, to be presented alongside big data to improve government decision-making. Visit businessofgovernment.org to read more. Welcome back to the Business of Government Hour. I'm Michael Keegan, your host, and our guest today is Gerard Vidork, Chief Financial Officer at the U.S. General Services Administration, GSA. My co-host today from IBM is Troy Edgar. You know, I was wondering, um, Gerard, how can, in your mind, given your background, given your experience both inside and outside the federal space, but uh, in particular within the federal government, how can the CFO or CFOs help promote automation and transformation? Yeah, you know, I don't think there's really a single approach, but uh, the CFO has to take that on as an executive and, and you know, really make sure that the progress is there. I think when I've, you know, when I've talked to some other CFOs that wanted, uh, talked about doing this, I said, you know, set a goal and go public with it, right? So uh, uh, say that I'm going to have 20 automations in by the end of the calendar year or 20 automations in by the end of uh, fiscal year 22. So if that, if that executive is, is putting forth some goals on, on the implementation of automation, uh, you know, and remembering, you know, it's okay to, to fail or, or not meet your goal, that, that rallies the entire organization uh, and says, this is important to the CFO or it's important to the CIO. And I think I, uh, I think when, when you do that, uh, it helps, uh, get the focus. And then you've got to be available on a weekly basis to, to understand, you know, what's getting in the way, because it's really change management. And this is something new for the agency. And, uh, you know, and, and you need the knowledge from uh, employees that are very busy with uh, a set of operational responsibilities. So, uh, you know, one of the things that that I think you can do is, is you know, siphon off a piece of the organization or create a, a champion of technology where their focus is 100% on making this happen. But but sometimes uh, operational leaders are so busy solving operational problems, uh, organizationally, you need to think about creating uh, a separate part of the organization that is focused on on doing this. And then, and then I think you as a CFO really need to understand what are the challenges, how you can, how you can help them to be successful uh, uh, at doing this within your agency. 
Yeah, thank you, Gerard. Um, you know, right now in the uh, in the CFO community uh, and even in industry, uh, a big discussion on uh, establishing eminence, uh, eminence, and whether it's you know uh, transformation and automation, whether it's it's eminence in the way that you recruit and some of the stuff that you've talked about. Um, you know, kind of in addition to what you said, kind of set a goal and have everybody kind of go after make once it's public, it's kind of that JFK 1960s, we're going to the moon. Um, I, you know, the perspective I was just kind of curious is, um, you know, I, I think what you see definitely in industry is you want to kind of bring a lot of people with you. It's not just the talking head at the top. Um, it's really trying to kind of get everybody in there with you to kind of drive this eminence of transformation. And I was just kind of curious, you know, how have you helped to promote, you know, not only just automation and transformation, but just government-wide change, um, you know, top to bottom. Yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the I've um, this week talked to the CIO Council about this. I think uh, prior to the pandemic, uh, you know, had discussions with them. Uh, we uh, uh, with across the government, uh, whether it's the procurement officer at an agency or uh, the CFO or the CIO, uh, really uh, trying to uh, help them um, uh, understand what it takes to make progress. So, uh, so you know, as a leader executive, you want to provide some insights, but then. Uh, whether it's the, the 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 GSA team or or the leader in Treasury or, or someone at USDA or someone at NASA or, or uh, a, a person at, at Army or DOD uh, uh, at, at NSF, we have you know we have leaders uh, across the government that are doing this and helping them become available is uh, uh, is important. We're uh, you know we've been thinking and, and starting. Uh, uh, a, a, a bit of a, a mentoring kind of program where uh, an agency that wants to get started can partner with an agency that's further along. We've, uh, since the pandemic, we've had uh, uh, a bunch of webinars, uh, uh, I think about uh, 30, 32, so it's almost two a month, and we've had over 7,000 government employees attend those. So that's, you know, in the last 14, 15 months, and we're about to uh, uh, publish a rapid process transformation playbook, uh, which will help uh, with the demand generation and and the process optimization pieces of RPA. And um, you know, I when, when I step back and think about what's happened in RPA across the federal government, CFOs and CIOs have really uh, partnered uh, well together. And and my challenge to the CFOs is is don't think about this just for the CFO organization, think about it for your whole agency. And, and just one other uh, comment is, uh, you know, the CFOs require mission parts of the organization to do work to help them uh, process transactions. And, and to the extent that you can automate that or make it easier for uh, work that's done outside the CFO organization that's CFO related, uh, you're enabling uh, uh, those organizations to free up resources for other activities. So, uh, you know, I, I know I covered uh, a, a lot of different ideas, but we're, um, you know, we're pushing on many different fronts to uh, help the federal government move ahead. And, and we've got uh, we have a management committee and we have representation from agencies. And, um, you know, as I said before, the, the employees in the federal government are excited about 
working together, helping each other, uh, helping across the agency. And, and I think you need to identify those employees and give them that opportunity uh, uh, within your organization. Good deal. Yeah. Hey, a question for you. So, uh, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about the, uh, you know, you've climbed up the mountain, you've put the, the spike in the top up there in RPA. You kind of uh, now look from here forward at uh, some of the key current and aspirational initiatives. Um, you know, you talked a little bit earlier in the interview about the 2022 GSA focusing on, you know, kind of the theme is innovation, adding value to the mission. You and I have had discussions outside of uh, the normal where we've talked about kind of some of the ideas you have around unique workforce hiring strategies and, and being able to kind of really help that process as many agencies right now are are struggling uh, to maintain recruiting levels and, uh, you know, a lot of different issues there. So I was just kind of curious, uh, you know, kind of pivoting and looking forward, uh, any key things you'd like to share today, any key initiatives that you'd like to talk about or, or put out there for the audience for GSA? Um, yeah, you, you know, I, I think that that uh, our goal in the CFO organization is to help GSA and help the business units uh, be successful in, in what they do. I think that, um you know, I um, I think the the real estate initiative and the return to work is important, and I uh, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. You know, what I'm hoping is the, the you know the partnership and collaboration uh, that we've had with the community of practice can be applied to other uh, concepts and ideas, and and you know there could be. Uh, a common finance intern program across the federal government, right? Uh, we could share resources uh, a, a bit more and rotate resources between um, agencies to learn from uh, each other and, and how we uh, do things. Um, I think having more team goals uh, in the federal government is important because, you know, as I think about the private sector, uh, you've got goals of, uh, you know, grow revenue. And if you're in a support function, you're thinking about how you can help uh, accomplish that goal, even though you might be a small piece of it. So, so getting that alignment uh, among the priorities is, is important. Centralized and shared services uh, is an opportunity. You know, I think we thought bigger, but I, I think there are, um, you know, if I think back to things like uh, uh, USA Jobs, right? That that's a, a website that all agencies use. What if all agencies had their own website? How, you know, how inefficient would that be? So there are more applications that we have to think about that could be done at a shared uh, level across the government. And I think the, the you know the CFOs and the CIOs need to think about what they could be and how they can collaborate and and what makes. Uh, what, what can make more sense? And Gerard, as we come to a closer conversation, I have a couple of more questions. But, uh, you know, one was around lessons from the private sector that apply to the public sector. I don't know if you want to add any more to that. And the other was around the future. What do you see as some of the key issues facing government-wide portfolio over the next couple of years? Yeah. Uh, so just, just to delve back on, on the private sector question, you know, um, when you think about the private sector and financial management in the private sector versus the, the public sector, uh, in the private sector, you're trying to maximize profitability. You're trying to get a higher stock price. You know, you can clearly measure that. And, and there are 
are, are lots, uh, uh, there are quarterly reports, uh, earnings releases, financial statements, and, you know, and, and the analysts have to look at those and they're trying to understand the health and direction of the business. In government, it's a little bit different. It's about, you know, the transparency of spending uh, in the federal government. So, so obviously, uh, financial management and public sector is more about compliance and ensuring proper controls uh, uh, over uh, overspending. But uh, just to jump back to the team goals, to give you another example, um, one of the goals I had in my organization was uh, to uh, increase the engagement score of the CFO organization. So, uh, when I look at looked at my five office directors, you know they. Um, the common approach would be uh, to say, okay, well, only give them what they can control so that so that they only get an engagement goal for their sp- specific organization. Uh, when you set a goal that they have to share uh, for the broader organization, uh, that promotes uh, teamwork, promotes collaboration. Uh, you don't have to think about who's responsible for what. Everybody pitches in and does whatever they can to help the overall organization be successful. So, you know, I, I really think that we have to uh, think about the government as uh, a big corporation, and and how do you, uh, uh, you know, how do you think about how things are being managed and done across the federal government, whether it's financial management or or other areas. So, uh, I think that that that's a huge opportunity. Uh, for us, uh, for CFOs, uh, and for the uh, federal government. It's a wonderful, Gerard. I want to um, thank you for joining us today. But I have one more question, and that is, given your background, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about a career in public service? I uh, would say that, uh, tell them first, the private sector leadership strategies work in the public sector, and uh, and that you have a tremendous opportunity uh, Public service is incredibly rewarding, uh, and I would tell them uh, go for it. and And I've had I've had, uh, as you can tell, uh, a wonderful experience uh, as a CFO at GSA, and and it's 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 rewarding to uh, uh, you know to come to work every day and have employees that are motivated and to be thinking about how you can uh, uh, deliver more value and how you can increase the value of of the organization and uh, enrich employees and uh, uh, really have uh, this type of opportunity. So it is a great experience. And I, uh, you know, if you've been in the private sector, please think about uh, what you could do in the public sector. Well, Gerard, I want, I want to thank you for joining us today. Your uh, passion does come through just in this conversation, but in others that we've had. And more importantly, uh, Troy and I would like to thank you for your dedicated service to the country. Uh, Thank you. It's my privilege uh, to have uh, served in this role over the last six years. Thank you. This has been the Business of Government Hour, a conversation with Gerard Bedoric, Chief Financial Officer at the U.S. General Services Administration, GSA. My co-host today from IBM has been Troy Edgar. Be sure to join us next time for another informative, insightful, and in-depth conversation on improving government leadership and its effectiveness. Until then, subscribe, download, and listen to the entire interview at Podcast One, iTunes, or on your favorite podcast app, and as always at businessofgovernment.org. For the Business of Government Hour, I'm Michael Keegan, and thanks for joining us.
WFED Washington, WTOP FM HD2 Washington, W283DG Sterling, WTLP FM HD2 Braddock Heights Frederick. Federal News Network is the news organization of record for the federal community. We are nonpartisan, nonpolitical, and our job is to help federal government and contracting executives make informed decisions. We inform federal managers, contractors, and policymakers on issues related to the federal workforce, management, and acquisition, pay benefits and retirement, the Defense Department, and federal IT. Portions pre-recorded. Nights and weekends, we air Washington Nationals, Capitals, and Wizards, and the Navy Midshipmen. We are the Washington, D.C. home of Navy Athletics. Download the Federal News Network app on the App Store or Google Play Store. Play Federal News Network on Alexa. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Federal News Network. Our mission is helping you meet your mission.